Welcome to Insider Marketing. I'm Mark Thomas, Head of Growth here at Powered by Search. And each week, we'll be breaking down a SaaS company's marketing, giving ideas about how we would improve the strategy to get more trials, demos, and revenue using demand gen, SEO, and paid media. All right, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Insider Marketing. Today, it's a bit different. I'm joined for the first time by somebody not part of Powered by Search, but somebody who we've worked with in the past, and that is Alan Silvestri. Alan, how you doing? Hey, Mark. It's great to be here. Thanks a lot for having me. And yeah, looking forward to this one. It's going to be fun. Yeah. All right. Well, before we get into the episode, let's just talk a little bit about you. So you're the founder of Growth Gorilla, right? Yeah. Tell me a little bit about what that is. So we do uh, content promotion and link building for B2B SaaS companies. What we do is essentially kind of act as like a fractional content promotion basically department for SaaS companies that are publishing a lot of quality content, but that don't have the time or the resources or the expertise to actually promote that content. Yeah, well, look, link building in particular gets a bad rap online. So I've got to prefix this all for the listeners with the fact that Alan is a legit person. He's worked with us, as I said, on several projects. And every time I think, that's a totally different discipline. It's a shame that he gets in the link building label and there's not something just for Alan. And you're going to see that on this episode anyway. So today we're talking about Applyboard. And for anyone who's not aware of Applyboard, here is a little segment that I prepared earlier. Before we dive into the episode, I want to give you some context around Applyboard. Applyboard is a study abroad application platform. They were founded in 2015 in Kitchener, Ontario. Like the majority of companies that we talk about on Insider Marketing, we don't have conversion or revenue data, so we have to make some inferences. That said, they're currently valued at $3.2 billion, and they've grown their revenue by 400% since 2020 with a marketing team of 50, which is frankly impressive. We're gonna share strategy ideas for demand gen with Alan Silvestri, founder of Broke Gorilla. Let's dive in. All right, Alan. So that was a little bit of info about Applyboard. Now, you and I both have experience of living abroad, which is clearly what Applyboard's kind of main market is as well. How did you feel when you first looked at the website? So yeah, the site looks good. It has all of the typical B2B SaaS features that I was expecting, although some things were a bit confusing to me at least. Uh, for example, the first thing that I opened up the drop down menu in here, I noticed that they have like all sorts of things. There's our story, careers, press, life, leadership, and I'm not really sure what that's all about. So they also have the blog in there, which is great. But yeah, I would like my first impression here would be that I would like to see some organization here and to maybe have a learn section where you have the blog and some of the other resources. And then as we'll discuss later on, but yeah, we found some other content pieces that yeah, were kind of, of difficult to find, right? And so, so I do believe that they could use with some kind of organization in there. That's cool. Yeah, I think messaging on a business like this is really, really hard. So here's the thing about Applyboard is that they're a company with a lot of stakeholders. So they've got to speak to schools or universities, depending on where you are in the world, recruiters and students at the same time. That's really, really challenging. So recruitment partners, I should say, rather than recruiters. 
how do you ensure that everyone gets what they need from a SaaS website when there are so many different stakeholders? Here's what people usually do. And Applyboard is no exception. They try to market to all the stakeholders at once by trying to get them to buy into a story or a message. And Alan, I think that's kind of partly what you were picking up on there. From my point of view and from our point of view at Power by Search, this is a mistake. If you try to market to everyone at once, you dilute your message significantly. I was working on a project recently where I researched a lot of finance companies with a B2B2C market. So business to business to customer market. Now, the thing about these companies is that they absolutely rely on having the C, which is, you know, you need a big load of customers in order to get scale. Those are consumer users of your product. In this case, for Applyboard, that is the students. If you don't have the students, you can't work with the recruitment partners, you can't get them placed in universities. So while the revenue of those businesses comes from the B2B portion, you have to have the customer base to back it up. So what do you do? Well, first things first is you realize that almost everyone coming to your website, numerically speaking, is going to be the customer versus your customer. So they're actually the people you're going to be sending to recruitment partners and universities. They're not, in this case, recruitment partners and universities themselves. Like There are fewer of those people than there are students who want to be placed. So you're unlikely to make any money off them directly. But if you don't have them, you can't properly market your platform to the customer. So here's what you do instead. You pitch your service to the customer. Now, in Applyboard's case, this means making the landing page, the homepage that is, geared towards the student versus the recruitment partners or the universities. Right now, it's actually directed to all three. And as we said, that's that's problematic. But then you take each of the use cases on your site. In their case, this would be recruitment partners and universities. And you set up individual pages that speak directly to the recruitment partners and the universities. Now, Applyboard actually has this, but because they've got a homepage which speaks to or tries to speak to everyone, it is actually incredibly confusing when you first load their website, what the product is, what the business even does, because their strapline says, we're on a mission to educate the world, which is bold, but ultimately for a person who's not invested in the day-to-day of Applyboard, in the nicest way, it's frankly meaningless because that could be anything. Yeah, definitely. That was my first impression as, well, as I opened up the homepage. And at the end of the day, I noticed this as well with some of the blog content, because sometimes what this does, the fact that you're not clear on, on your positioning, is it can also lead to content cannibalization. So some pages are ranking for multiple keywords. And so Google is not sure exactly which of the two pages to rank, right? Because you haven't been super clear on the keyword targeting as well. Okay, yeah. So you mentioned the keyword cannibalization. Just for anyone listening who's not familiar with that term, just kind of give me an idea. Yeah, so keyword cannibalization is something that happens when a company like Flyboard, for example, in this case, is writing multiple pieces of content on a topic that is tangentially related. So actually on two topics that are tangentially related to each other without using the proper on-page optimization. So what happens is that the company tends to use the same keywords in the URL, in the title, or very similar keywords. And so Google has a very hard time in in understanding which of the two pages they should rank for the target keyword, right? And so sometimes the company might publish two articles that are super similar and none of them ranks. 
And the problem with this is also that the links get diluted because what happens is that people, when they find, for example, apply boards content, they will link to one of the, of the two pages. Uh, but if you had a unique resource that's targeting the proper keyword, uh, what happens then is that people would send all of their links to the main one page that's targeting the main keywords. So that then instead of having 30 links spread in between two pages, you have uh, 30 links that are going to the one main resource and that helps you rank higher. Okay, so it's really about maintaining the sort of concentration of links versus kind of so like how powerful any kind of one link is and how much in people's kind of headspace you're associated with one thing, right? Yeah, but it all comes down to your content strategy and content planning because at the end of the day, that's what determines the keyword targeting for every blog article. So if Apply Word would do a better job, for example, with their content strategy and the way that they target each of the specific blog articles, then what happens is that they could have the three topic clusters separate for each of the three audiences that they want to reach out to, right? So each article is very targeted towards that specific topic. And so at the end of the day, that helps Google determine and give more relevancy to the topic cluster, and it will be uh, easier to rank as well. Well, look, you mentioned there the blog. So tell me a little bit from your analysis, what Applyboard are currently doing well and what they could be doing better. Let's start with what they're doing well. <laughs> so first off, I, so I'd like to point out that to do this analysis, I was able to pick some competitors, uh, some sites that I think are their main competitors. The way that I typically do this is I asked to the client directly. Uh, so in this case, since I couldn't ask the client, what I did is I picked the sites that I found inside the Ahrefs competing domains report. Then I essentially cross-referenced that with a few articles that I found online that were talking about the best study abroad application platforms software, right? Mm -hmm. So then I cross-referenced the two lists and I was able to come up with four different competitors. The first thing that I noticed is that Applyboard is the site that has the highest domain rating. And that typically is a sign that they have more links pointing to the homepage compared to what they have pointing to the internal pages. I think they've also got a lot of press here as well, which obviously has a big impact. They've made a lot of, I don't know whether they've made the effort or whether they've attracted this organically, but they have been featured on many, many news sites, which is important. Yeah, so that's uh, really good. So that's one thing that they're doing really well. They have a high domain rating, lots of link to the homepage, and they also have quite a lot of nice research like data-driven content pieces. I've seen a trends report on their site, which is which is pretty great as a concept. Oh yeah, they have the supply insights. It's like a cluster of these data-driven like articles. It's called Apply Insights. And it's basically all like uh, proprietary stats kind of research-driven content that they have. But this is great, but in my opinion, they're not doing the best job that they could do at promoting this content because on average, these pages have like five links per page. So I think they could do a better job on this front as well. It's interesting that you mention it. In fact, kind of their apply insights are obviously sort of, those are sort of middle of funnel pieces because they, A, they're sort of thought leadership. They give you some original insights, as you said, Alan. But at the end of the day, if you're looking for that kind of stuff, the chances are you're either a recruitment partner or you're a, a student who's looking for some insights on how to actually apply, right? Now, 
pushing people down the funnel, they also have how to prepare for the US F1 visa interview. That's a piece on their blog that they've recently published. That's bottom of funnel. And what's interesting to me here, Alan, is obviously at Power by Search, when we think about content, we usually think about, okay, let's start with the basics, which is get your bottom of funnel converting well. But actually, because of the way that this company is marketing themselves and the fact that they have to speak to all three of those people, it probably makes sense to be as to rank for as, as many terms as possible related to this specific niche, right? Now, tell me a little bit about how you would go about building links for one of those Apply Insights pieces. So the other thing that I want to point out before we dive into this is that they're publishing like 25 articles per month on average. And so on average, they're getting like three links per article per month. So the main kind of takeaway here is that they should probably be focusing more on building links and promoting the content and a little less on the publishing side. But yeah, once you've identified what we call like the quick win kind of content pieces, so these are typically the pages that are ranking in between the bottom of page one and the top of page two of Google for your main target keywords. The process that we usually follow and we call it the road mapping process is essentially what we do to decide which pages to focus on. Uh, the first step is to cross-reference uh, these quick win pages essentially with your sales data. So if you have some kind of sales data, conversion data that you can match uh, for example, the export from Ahrefs. So you export the pages that are ranking bottom of page one, top of page two. You match them with your sales data. So you know which of these pages are also converting well. Then we do like a quick analysis to determine if these pages actually have the potential to rank higher in the next 60 to 90 days. Because essentially link building takes a lot of time and we want to focus on the pages that can give us the highest return in the shortest time possible. So I had an example here, uh, like for example, they are ranking number five for this article that is what is a statement of purpose. Uh, they're ranking number five for this and the page only has five backlinks. And then if you have a look in the top 10 for this keyword, you can see that they have quite a high domain rating so that they would be able to essentially compete with the other pages, but they only have five backlinks, as I said, and the pages that are ranking above them have like 130, 300 links, right, and so on. So it's pretty clear here that they could do a better job at actually promoting the content, because if this page is already ranking number five with just five links, chances are that if you can build at least another five, 10, 20 links to this page, it might be able to shoot up in the top three positions. So interesting. I think like one of the kind of really interesting things as well that we definitely think about Power by Search is, okay, so this content is is there. How does it convert? Are you in a place where you're converting like 1% of traffic to this page or is it less? Because Alan, your kind of point there is obviously if you can get up to the top of the rankings, you can get more volume. But what people don't think about a lot of the time is, okay, what does it look like for me to get more volume at the same conversion rate? Or if I change the page itself as well at a marginally better conversion rate, that change in volume of traffic that you get from search actually has a huge impact potentially for your business. Yeah, everything compounds as well. So also something else that we always try to recommend uh, to the clients is that the page that we build the links to 
should already be 100% optimized from the on-page side of things for the target keywords. And that's typically number one. So making sure that the page is matching the search intent and the content type for the keyword. And the second thing, like you said, is making sure that all of the conversion elements, the UI, the UX of the page are like essentially on point because when you want to compete in the top three results, you really need like your page to be the best, essentially. So tell me a little bit about some kind of common mistakes that you see with people's pages when they're suffering from that. In terms of content for link building, you mean? Yeah, that's right. So like, let's say someone comes to you with a page and it's not quite where you think it should be. Like, what are the things that you recommend or you tend to recommend that they do? The easiest kind of suggestion is essentially to look at what's ranking basically above you and try to do better than them, right? Sometimes this means maybe adding some extra paragraph for subtopics that they are not covering. Sometimes this means doing a better job with like images and graphics, maybe having some custom like graphics or photos that you can use, having some proprietary like research or data uh, pieces that usually is very helpful because then you can point the people that you're emailing to these kind of data points. Uh, that's very useful as well as a citable element for link building. So you can tell them, hey, we have this like statistic that's very interesting and basically nobody else is talking about it. So these kind of things. So try to stand out, try to cover essentially like all possible subtopics of your main target keyword, and that will help you rank higher just by itself, even without the backlinks sometimes. Uh, the backlinks most of the times serve only as the extra push, right? To get in, essentially into the top three. Hey, that's marketing as a whole, right? <laughs> I spent my life trying to make out how to uh, make people stand out. Actually, while we're talking about content, two things. We actually have um, a blog on our site called Early SEO Wins, which is kind of useful if you're listening here and you're thinking, hey, what can I do right now, even with very little resource? Most of that stuff doesn't require any technical resource. The other thing that I think is really important here is to realize that not everyone who is interested in, in apply board is necessarily ready to sign up and content can help them get to the place where they are ready right so one area that i think that apply board could really improve their pipeline is is by generating mqls from schools and recruitment partners now how would you go about doing that well firstly right now it doesn't seem like there is any of that happening it's either you fill out a lead form, which we can talk about in a minute as well, but or you come back at some point, right? So that's an issue because once somebody's onto your site, if they're not ready to convert, you're really leaving it open to them to kind of come back time and time again until the point where they are. We know that they may have discovered something else. They may go off and find a, a, a competitor, one of the ones maybe Alan uh, discovered on his search. And at the end of the day, you're lost in that, right? So what I would be doing is I would be working out, okay, what parts of apply board for recruitment partners could I replicate in like a spreadsheet? So you remove some of the speed, certainty, and insight from those things, from those features of apply board itself, and turn it into a spreadsheet and collect downloads for that spreadsheet. So you're getting qualified leads, they're marketing qualified, not sales qualified, but you're doing a thing where you're basically building your list, but you're also giving 
recruitment partners and universities a resource that helps them to be better at what they're doing. And then when they're thinking about, okay, this is great, how can I get more of this kind of benefit? They come back to you because hopefully you're nurturing them with the relevant emails and paid media, which by the way, it looks like Applyboard is not doing a huge amount of. So that's a massive opportunity in my, in my point of view. Alan, I kind of dived in on your, uh, your your blog section there. What else do you want to talk about in terms of how they're doing in terms of link building and content promotion? So I would say one of the other kind of opportunities that they could take advantage of is to sort of like partner, quote unquote, with some other software companies that are doing something in the same spaces that they are operating in, right? So maybe uh, like so they could either write or get featured in articles that talk about, for example, the best tools for students to work like remotely, right? So they could get in touch with other software that's being used for this purpose and try to get featured inside their articles, or they could write these kind of content pieces to try and form these partnerships. Smart, kind of like co-marketing, right? Some of it is stuff that you've done explicitly, but some of it is what they call uh, permissionless co-marketing. We've got a, a masterclass coming up on that in uh, late March. So uh, sign up for that. That's cool, man. All right. Well, look, uh, we're coming towards the end of our session here. I just want to give a a quick bit of insight into this sign-up page for recruitment partners. Now, I think they're really missing an opportunity here, and probably it's costing them quite a lot down funnel, basically. On their new associate page, so that's recruitment partners, sign-up page, there are three form tabs. So company information, contact information, and recruitment details. On the company information tab alone, there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven fields. Then we've got contact information, pretty similar number, and recruitment details. That's probably three times as many. There's nothing wrong with having a pretty lengthy sign-up form if it fits into your wider business goals. But I believe that Applyboard are probably doing themselves a disservice here by having just such an extensive sign-up form. And the reason for that is kind of partially related to what we already said about generating MQLs and pipeline. If a person comes onto this website and says, oh, that looks great, I want to become a recruitment partner, and then sees you know almost 50 form fields that they have to fill out before they even get to find out what comes next, that's going to be a big turnoff for a lot of people. Not everyone, clearly, but like a lot of people. And so I bet their, their conversion rates are actually quite badly affected by such a long form. There's also no context about what the process is or clearly what they're actually signing up for with these 50 form fields. There's no information on the page that actually says, okay, here's what you're signing up for. Here's what happens next. And like, here's some info about how it works. And then finally, there's no exit intent pop-up to capture abandoners, so people who are just leaving the page without completing the thing, right? So I bet that if Applyboard fixed those three things and also maybe gave added some customer testimonials to their page, they would see the quality and volume of their conversions actually improve greatly and also would see pipeline generated by an exit intent pop-up that offered them like a downloadable guide or a downloadable tool or something. And so like bringing it all together, Alan, as we're in the last minute or so here, what 
do you think would be the highest, the best opportunity if you had to prioritize for Apply Board? So definitely, as I said before, the best opportunity, in my opinion, would be for them to start promoting more of the given top to middle of the funnel content so that they can redirect those people to the correct landing page for the specific topic clusters that we talked about before, right? So try to really be specific with your content strategy, with their content strategy, and essentially divide the, the blog articles into the main three topic clusters based on the three different audiences that they want to capture. Then once you start promoting the content, you can essentially work a little bit on where to add like conversion elements to send people to the landing page. But yeah, the main thing is that like right now, since they have so many links to the homepage, chances are they're probably getting mostly branded like traffic, which converts well because it's essentially people that know about them already. But the main problem with this is that you're not like they're not capturing uh, new visitors, right? And they can't can't essentially like amplify their search uh, spectrum essentially for all the keywords that they need. So by promoting the content that they're publishing, or at least uh, the main content that's leading uh, to the landing pages, they this way they can capture more market share and send people to this landing page. And then by simplifying the sign-up form, uh, maybe they could convert them quite easily and faster as well. All right. Well, man, thanks so much for coming. It's been great to have you. And thanks for being our first outside guest. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot for having me, Mark. Well, that's it for today. But friend, it doesn't have to end here. Because if you want to do something about your SaaS marketing, you should go to our website. We have heaps of in-depth blog posts, podcasts, and other resources about how to grow your demos, free trials, and signups with demand gen SEO or PPC. Now, if you want us to help you with that, you can book a SaaS scale session by clicking on the work with us button in the nav bar. Or you can follow me on Twitter at I am Mark Thomas, that's Mark with a C, or follow our founder, Dev Basu, that's D-E-V-B-A-S-U. I'll see you next time for another episode of Insider Marketing.